In some conflicts, there is a clear good guy and a clear bad guy. Say, America versus the dirty, rotten, godless, commie Soviet Union in the Cold War. In other cases, maybe a little more of a complicated conflict, there is at least a clear ally involved. Let's say the United Kingdom versus Argentina in the Falklands War. But in some conflicts, say the Iran-Iraq War, for example, you don't really like either side and you mostly wish that they could both lose. It was this last sort of conflict that just played out on the streets of Portland where a white leftist woman and a vaguely ethnic leftist man yelled at each other in the middle of the street. I don't have time to waste That's on colonizing. She told me, she told me to go back to where I came from. Like driving Do you see that? Because we don't drive I'm Native American. Oregon. We're kind and we make space. Okay. And as someone who's from here as well, I'm so tired of people driving like you just did. All right, get out of my face. Constant. Get out of my Admit face. Admit you're wrong and that it's not no. a race thing. Admit that you're driving. Admit like you're white. Admit you have a colonizer mindset. It is mindset. not about race. Yeah, I'll tell them again. It is not about race. I can't look away. Like a car accident, which there may have been a car accident here. Eventually there might have been. I can't look away. I love how she screams, it's not about race. Um, sure seems like it's about race for that guy. <laughs> and it's about race because the libs for decades have cultivated and promoted a decidedly racial ideology that says white people are evil and every other type of person is good and everything that is in even the slightest way European must be disparaged and overthrown because Western civilization is evil. And now that ideology is coming back for the libs, for those white libs, with a vengeance. I myself, I happen to be immune to white guilt. Perhaps this is because I am Sicilian. We are the swarthiest of the arguably white people. Uh, something about the extra melanin, I think, inoculates us to white guilt, perhaps. Uh, but I do not hate myself, and I don't hate my ancestors, and I don't hate white people or any other group of people because of their race, and I don't hate Western civilization. I actually like my neighbors and my ancestors and my country and my civilization and I want to build all those things up, and I want for them to succeed. There's a big difference between the right and the left today. The conservatives welcome everybody. They encourage everybody, any race, any sex, whatever. We encourage everybody to come on in if they want to support our cause. We are constantly trying to win people over we're always bragging about winning over the old school liberals. The old school liberals are coming over to us. The Hispanic vote is coming over. A larger percentage of the black vote, we're going to get it. The libs, on the other hand, 
are not only not welcoming new people, they are actively excluding their own supporters if they happen to be of the wrong race or sex. They're telling white people, including white liberals, to shut up. Telling men, including liberal men, to shut up. They're telling women, including liberal women, who oppose transgenderism, to shut up. They are eating their own. They're going after Bette Midler now, for goodness sakes. They are devouring their own, and they have to devour their own, because their political program is to devour. It's to break everything down, topple every statue. The revolution always eats its own children. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Alex Benson, who says, as someone who was mauled by a bear in the woods when I was 15, I have to say, Michael, that your bear phobia is completely understandable. I share it with you. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that happened to you. Uh, You obviously have uh, firsthand knowledge, though, of my deeply irrational fear. (laughs) Sometimes fears can be rational, and sometimes, this is probably even more common, when conservatives disapprove of something, it's not from fear. We We just don't like it, and we think it's bad for everybody involved. Not everything has to be a fear. Not everything has to be irrational. When people who believe that men are actually women are lecturing us on our irrational thoughts, <laughs> clearly something's gone a little right. It's a little pot and kettle type of situation, I think. We've got to protect our minds, our communities, our country. When you want to protect your home, you got to check out Ring. Right now, head on over to ring.com slash Knowles. The summer is upon us. It is time for people to travel. I think about half my team is out right now. They're all out sick, probably sitting on a beach sipping a pina colada somewhere. It's why you need to have a ring. You want to make sure that your home is protected, whether you're in the home or whether you're outside the home and you're on a beach on the other side of the world. Ring protects not just your front step. You know about Ring's video doorbell. Ring protects not just your windows and your doors from freeze, fire, flood, the bad guys, but... If you get Ring Alarm Pro, if you become a pro, just like me, go pro, you can protect your physical and your digital home. CNET calls Ring Alarm Pro a giant leap for home security. I love these guys. I totally uh, trust these guys. They've been with this show since the very beginning. Head on over to ring.com slash Knowles right now. That is ring.com slash Knowles. Do not wait protect your home, make sure you can rest easy this summer, protect your physical and your digital life, ring.com slash Knowles. The revolution is eating its own. The libs are pitting everyone against each other. The white libs are now going after, they're they're yelling, go back to where you come from, to the Native American libs in whom they have cultivated this sense of identity politics. Then the Native American libs start calling the white libs colonizers. You've got the feminist libs. They're not so happy with the transgender libs, but the transgender libs, they say the feminist libs are turfs. They're phobic. They're awful. They're everybody is at each other's throats. It, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis. It reminds me of the Screwtape Letters, where the, the Screwtape Letters is this uh, book, uh, this Im- imagined uh, series of correspondence from a demon to his nephew demon. And they talk about how 
Uh, they're going to win over souls and, and, and ruin souls among human beings. And the thing you quickly learn about the demons is they all just want to eat each other. They, they don't love each other like in the good sense of love, meaning willing the good of the other person. They just want to consume and devour each other. It's kind of that way with the libs. They're just, they're just devouring each other right now. You're seeing this with the singer Macy Gray. Macy Gray is a huge lib. Macy Gray is such a big lib that she campaigned a few years ago to get rid of the American flag. She said the American flag no longer represents America. It's a terrible image. It's basically just the new Confederate flag. And she was going after the January 6thers and she was attacking half the country. She is a big time, bona fide, card-carrying lib. And, and Macy Gray just went on Piers Morgan's show and said, hey, guys, you know, man, I'm a big lib and everything, but um, transgenderism is, is kind of crazy, right? And I, I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Right. Sorry. You feel that? I know that for a fact. She's right. She's right. Stopped clock twice a day. She's right. She knows it for a fact. Just because you go in and mutilate your body, that, that if you're a man, that, that's not going to make you a woman. And she says this, and she gets a whole lot of backlash. J.K. Rowling is another very liberal woman who has made this point, and now she is public enemy number one for the intersectional libs. They call her a TERF, a, a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. They're just, they're just hemorrhaging people from their coalition on the left. Well, if you don't agree on transgenderism, you're out. If you don't agree on white guilt, you're out. If you don't agree on this, that, or the other thing, you're out, you're out, you're out. If you don't agree 100% on abortion, if you don't agree on transing the kids, on drag shows in public libraries, they, they're just spiraling. All of these people who they could ordinarily attract to their, to their side, they're, they're casting them all out. Bette Midler, oh my gosh, Bette Midler, Ever since Trump was thrown off of Twitter, Bette Midler has been my favorite Twitter account because she is so oblivious and she so just regurgitates the most base level left-wing talking points. Bette Midler just got in trouble. She got in trouble because she said, women, women, we're being oppressed, right? She was just spouting ordinary 40, 50 years ago feminist talking points, but she doesn't realize now that the left is eating its own on feminism because of transgenderism. So she said, women are being erased. They're calling us birthing persons. They're referring to chest feeding, <laughs> all, all of the kind of transgender language. And then Bet got a huge amount of pushback, not from the right, from the left. So then Bet said, oh gosh, okay, she issues an apology. She says, people of the world, my tweet about women was a response to this fascinating and well-written piece in the New York Times on July 3rd, and it was this piece about transgenderism erasing women. There was no intention of anything exclusionary or transphobic. It was the same old SHIT uh, women. It's about the same, same old SHIT women, all women have been putting up with since the cavemen. But look, I've fought for marginalized people and I've always supported and adored them. And she goes on, she's just spiraling. And she's saying, no, 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 I'm a good person. Why are you coming after me? I'm one of the good ones. No, but your talking points are a little outdated, Bet. That's the problem. She then tries to dig herself out of it. She posts a picture of the Supreme Court, but all the conservatives on the court look like Muslims. They've got, they've got Muslim headdress and a burqa and the beards on. And the implication here is that they're theocratic or something like that. What Bet doesn't realize is the picture is very Islamophobic. 
isn't it? Just like that first comment was transphobic. The second one is Islamophobic. One minute she's going after the transvestites, the next minute she goes after the Muslims. Why? Because five, ten years ago, this kind of rhetoric would have been completely ordinary. You wouldn't even think about this sort of thing. The left would have been totally on board with it. But because the revolution constantly has to accelerate, because it's constantly, it, it never stops, it's always perpetuating itself, eventually it's going to contradict itself. Eventually it's going to eat its own. The people who constructed the terror of the French Revolution, what happens to them? They get their heads chopped off. The revolution eats its own. And poor Bette, who isn't, she isn't the most up-to-date. She's not not firing on all those pistons, okay? She's, she's using slightly outdated talking points, and it's enough to ruin her reputation among her comrades. Speaking of clueless actresses, Jessica Biel posted one of my favorite social media posts that I've seen in days. I don't know. There's really good stuff coming out these days because the libs are so clueless. They're so behind the ball here. It was a picture of Jessica Biel with her husband, Justin Timberlake, in front of the Eiffel Tower. She tweets out or, or posts on Instagram, you have croissants and women's rights? Damn, take me back. Because France, you see, they've got women's rights. Unlike America, where in America, we won't let you kill your baby in some circumstances. In America, in some states, in some circumstances, you're not allowed to kill your baby. And so Jessica Biel, who is completely ignorant of pretty much everything, she posts this picture of France, which is this beacon of liberalism. It's leftism. That's where we get the term left in politics. Comes from France. Comes from the French Revolution. And she says, ah, take me back. You've got good food and women's rights. Because Jessica Biel doesn't realize that France bans abortions after 14 weeks. France has, and for a very long time, has had much more restrictive laws on abortion than the United States does. But Jessica Biel doesn't know that. Jessica Biel doesn't know she doesn't know what the Dobbs decision is actually going to mean. She doesn't know what the overruling of Roe v. Wade actually means. She doesn't know what abortion laws are around the world. She doesn't realize that America is the outlier when it comes to abortion. We're the outlier on the pro-abortion side. The only other countries that have laws as barbaric when it comes to abortion as the United States does are North Korea, Canada, America's hat, and China. The other countries are much, much more restrictive of, of abortion. And, and it's it's not even entirely Jessica Biel's fault. I think a lot of the French don't quite understand this either. I mentioned this at the very end of the show yesterday. The French, for some reason, are in France in front of the Eiffel Tower protesting the American Supreme Court's decision to overrule Roe v. Wade and send the issue of abortion back to the States. It feels like a lot of solidarity. That's true. That's the only thing you can say about this. They, they've got signs. They're written in French, which is saying, it's a right. 
It's the law. What law? Last I checked, the French are not uh, subject to American law. (laughs) And by the way, it's not even a right in your law, French. And by the way, the the 14 weeks is a liberalization of abortion laws. Previously, it had been 12 weeks or 10 weeks. What do you mean it's a right? It's a law. It's the solidarity. This gets to something we were talking about yesterday too, which is this idea of a liberal world order, the Biden administration going on TV saying, stop complaining about gas prices, stop complaining about how your economy is falling apart. We, we in America, we've got to defend the liberal world order and you're going to have to pay for it. This is the liberal world order. This is hegemonic liberalism. This is France viewing itself not as an independent nation, but as a kind of just vassal of the United States, of the American liberal empire that spreads its liberal values all around the world. And so there's a sense of solidarity. Even, even when the, the actual law, the actual constitution of these countries does not back it up. And this is a massive acceleration. These French pro-abortion activists are not only out ahead of the French law, they're not only contradicting their own law, they're, they're contradicting the view of abortion everywhere in the whole, even in the whole liberal empire, even in the United States, until very, very recently. Back in 2015, even back in 2015, seven years ago, we were not living in the shout your abortion on demand without apology, uh, have, have an abortion at the 19th trimester, your, your baby is going to be born in Virginia, and then you can make a decision of whether you want to kill him or not. We weren't there in 2015. In 2015, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, then the vice president of the United States, said that abortion is always wrong. You know, there's even been disagreement in our church. Um, Not that abortion is always wrong. Abortion is always wrong. Abortion is always wrong. So says Joe Biden, the Democrat, then vice president, now president of the United States. A mere seven years later, we are at abortion on demand without apology. The court has made its decision. Let's see the court enforce it. Massive protests in the streets, not just in America, but all around the world. Biden right now is saying that of all the things destabilizing the world, the Putin invasion of Ukraine, the uh, American complete surrender on energy policy, the collapse of the American and Western economies, Biden says the the biggest factor destabilizing the world, overruling Roe v. Wade. The one thing that has been destabilizing is the outrageous behavior of the Supreme Court of the United States an overruling not only Roe v. Wade, but essentially challenging the right to privacy. We've been a leader in the world in terms of personal rights and privacy rights. And it is a mistake, in my view, for the Supreme Court to do what it did. The outrageous behavior of the, of the Supreme Court to restore the rule of law and admit that the most ridiculous decision in American history that not even the libs defend is is not a legit decision. That's the one thing destabilizing the world. Not the virus that escaped from the laboratory in Wuhan, probably. Not the uh, global lockdown that that occurred for two years. Not the major war in Europe for the first time since World War II. Not the collapse of American energy policy. Not the, not the, not the, not the, not the, no. It's that the Supreme Court is allowing the people of the states to make their own laws with regard to abortion. That's the most destabilizing thing. So says Joe Biden. Why? Because the United States has been a leader on the right to privacy. I can get right now. 
pull out, just Google Constitution. Constitution. Okay, U.S. Constitution, boom. Find me the right to privacy. Where, do you have your Constitution pulled up? Maybe you're driving. Don't, don't, don't pull over. You, don't, you can look it up later. Where is the right to privacy in the Constitution? I feel as though I'm, I'm sitting in a room with Joe Biden. Biden. It's a padded room. I'm a doctor with a clipboard. Joe Biden is there wearing, wearing some kind of restraint or harness. I say, okay, Mr. President, this right to privacy that you're talking about, is, um, is that right to privacy in the room with us now? There is no such thing as a general right to privacy in the Constitution. This was something completely made up by the libs. They, they said that it could be found maybe between the emanations and the penumbras and invisible ink somewhere in one of the amendments. And anyway, never mind, that's going to be the law now. And it never made sense. And it, it really weakened our judiciary and our, our system of government and the rule of law in the United States. And now it's falling apart. And they did it because they thought the ends justified the means, and they wanted a shortcut to contraception and a, sh- a shortcut to the sexual revolution and a shortcut to killing babies. And so they, they did that, but it was always ridiculous. It was a house of cards. Now it's falling apart. And now the whole thing is falling apart. And so they're all devouring their own. Speaking of devouring their own, I saw one of the most disturbing stories I've ever seen in the New York Times. The headline of it, this came out just yesterday, no, a few days ago. Who will help care for Texas's post-Roe babies? And the libs keep doing this. You see it, you see it uh, in, in a lot of their posts. It's uh, women, sometimes pregnant women, holding up little babies. And, and you'll say, oh, there's a cute little newborn baby right there. And, and, and the New York Times is asking this question, hey, now that Roe v. Wade has been overruled, what are we going to do if we can't kill these cute little babies? And I, the Washington Post ran a story like this of a, of a young woman caring for her twin babies who were not killed because Roe v. Wade was overruled, because pro-life laws have gone into place in the states. And they said, hey, what are we going to do now? And I have to think, is there some editor here who's pro-life? Is there some writer, secret cabal of writers who are pro-life here? Because it's, if you read the words, it sounds like they're writing pro-abortion articles, but you look at the pictures, you look at the whole subject of the story, you say, hold on, are you, are you seriously advocating killing the cute little babies, devouring your own literal children that you, that you put in these pictures? Is that, is that how mad your ideology has made you? You know, here at the Daily Wire, we are celebrating the start of Daily Wire Plus. What is Daily Wire Plus? Pretty much everything you love from the Daily Wire. You get me. Frankly, I would say that is enough. But no, you get more. You get Matt. You get Ben. You get Drew. You get Candace. Plus, a lot more than that. We are talking the entirety of Jordan Peterson's existing archive, podcast, new shows, and bonus content. Plus, a new series from PragerU out in the fall. Plus, fearless documentaries and movies, such as What is a Woman? and Terror on the Prairie, plus animated kids shows of that Awoke Agenda coming soon. We're very excited about Jordan's new four-part series, Dragons, Monsters, and Men, streaming right now exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. In Dragons, Monsters, and Men, Jordan explores what it really means to be a man and explains how to slay the dragons in your life and truly excel. Here's a look. One of the things I tell young men, well, and young women as well, but the young men really need to hear this more, I think. You should be a monster an absolute monster, and then you should learn how to control it. 
So a man who's capable of aggression but has it under control is a way more useful man than one who cannot do that. And so you're willing to go get a job, but you're terrified of an interview. It's like, there's a dragon for you. Because you want to fight the dragons that guard the gates of the treasure that you wish to attain. And productivity requires aim, orientation, responsibility, discipline, that willingness to work, that willingness to make sacrifices, which is the hallmark of maturity in the service of a higher goal. It orients you solidly in the world if you do that, and it gives you a dragon to fight. What do you want to grow up? You want to be illiterate? You want to be inarticulate? You're going to have to negotiate. You're going to have to lead. You're going to have to convince. You're going to have to think to say to an 18-year-old, you're okay the way you are. That just deflates them. You know, when you go to the gym and you start lifting weights, well, your body's going to transform, but it's not going to do that if you just sit around. You have to face your being with the necessity of transformation, and then all sorts of new things that you had no idea you were capable of will make themselves manifest. Those are the dragons, you know, the ones that stand in the path that leads to the light. And you have to say to yourself, I will do good nonetheless. Everyone great makes that decision. Make that decision, because maybe you're great. Not only can you get Jordan Peterson on Daily Wire Plus, but sometimes on All Access, you can get me doing my Jordan Peterson impression, okay? So there's a whole lot there. Become a Daily Wire Plus member today. Watch Dragons, Monsters, and Men, and so much more. DailyWirePlus.com right now. Get uh, 35% off your new membership. DailyWirePlus.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. New York Times reports with pictures of cute little babies down in Texas. Two days after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, a 27-year-old woman, T, delivered her fourth child, Kaysen. Born after his mother fled domestic abuse and was denied an abortion, he is among the first of many post-Roe babies expected in Texas. So the, the claim of the article is that they don't know what to do with these babies, even some anti-abortion adherents say Texas is failing families left impoverished by its war against abortion. So we don't know what to do. We can't possibly handle the babies. The, the claim is not true. It, there are, well, when you look at adoption, for instance, there are an estimated 36 couples for every one newborn baby put up for adoption in the United States. 36 couples looking to adopt that baby. There is no shortage of couples looking to adopt newborn babies. Now, when we're talking about adoption for older children who have been taken out of abusive and neglectful homes and put into the foster care system, that's a different story. And it's a different situation, and you can talk all day about the foster care system, but when we're talking about newborn babies, which is what is at issue in Roe versus Wade, there is no shortage of parents willing to adopt. There are lots of crisis pregnancy centers. The libs right now are, are actually attacking and burning down those crisis pregnancy centers, but there are still lots of them and conservatives support them. And so the, the whole premise here that there's no support system for newborn babies, that's completely made up. But let's say it were true. 
let's say, let's just go with it and say for the sake of argument that it were true. Is the New York Times really telling us right now that it would be better to kill that cute little baby Kaysen? She was denied an abortion. She was denied, very sadly, denied the right to kill that cute little baby Kaysen. Oh, it's awful. Now there's this new baby born and he's probably poor and we're going to have more poor babies. Ah, isn't that the worst? So terrible and oppressive. The the pro-abortion movement had one real political advantage for 50 years, which is that you couldn't see the victims. The victims were the most vulnerable people that exist. They were very small. They don't have a voice. They can't speak. You can't even see them most of the time. And so the pro-abortion movement really benefited from that. The pro-life movement then benefited from the advent of sonograms and much more sophisticated sonogram technology. Now the libs are giving away the game entirely. They're showing us a picture of the newborn baby. What are they saying? It'd be better to kill this baby. A friend of mine had a kind of unconventional pro-life argument, but it's one that seems extremely uh, timely now, now that the pro-abortion side is actually showing us pictures of the babies that they would have killed. The argument went something like this. If you're talking to someone who's pro-abortion, you say, hey, you think it's totally fine to kill the baby in the womb, the embryo, the fetus, the not, not a baby. You don't want to call it a baby. Okay. The embryo, you think it's totally fine to kill the embryo? Yes, they would say. Okay. Okay. Well, then would it be totally fine if I just went in there and we didn't kill the embryo, we just kind of poked into its brains and kind of jiggled its brains around, but didn't kill it. The, ba- the, the, the embryo would still grow and be born and grow up, but would just be severely, severely mentally handicapped because you went in and scrambled up its brains. People would look at you in horror. They'd say, oh my gosh, no, absolutely not. That would be a terrible thing to do. Why would it be a terrible thing to do? Well, because, you know, you're, you're going to leave the baby, you're going to leave the person severely mentally retarded. No, no, you just told me it's not a person. You just told me it's not a baby. It's just a little embryo. So who cares? I'm just going to go in and scramble up its little brains. What's the problem? Well, no, that, so you're holding, you're telling me, you're telling me that it would be wrong to go give the embryo fetus baby a disability. Now it would be wrong to do that, but it would not be wrong to kill him. Does that make any sense to you? No, of course it doesn't. Because no matter how much they want to deny it, everybody knows deep down that that thing, that embryo, that fetus, that zygote, the zygote, that's when a, when a baby is just one, one cell, you know, which is, happens for a very, very brief period of time. That whatever word you want to call it, we all know that that's a person. We were all that thing at one point. And we know that it's wrong to kill that person. And I think even the New York Times readers, they look at this article, they see that little baby, and you're you're really going to tell me they're going to say, ah, would that that little baby, that poor poor black baby from rural Texas, ah, we don't need any more of them, do we? Would that that baby were killed? Are you telling me that anyone with even a hint of a conscience would say that? Isn't that an ugly thing to say? I think it's kind of ugly. I don't, I don't think that that political movement is very attractive. We know it's not very attractive. We know it's shedding supporters right now. We know that people are moving over in droves to something else. The Republican Party is picking up a lot of people, but more than that, the Democrats are losing a lot of people. Their, their support right now is extremely depressed. So then what do they do, especially on this issue, because abortion is so in the news with the overruling of Roe v. Wade, the the Democrats have to distract on abortion. 
And so they say, no, this isn't really about killing your babies. This isn't about abortion. This is just about, gosh, women surviving miscarriage. This is an actual story. It's been going viral on the internet. Halsey, Halsey, who is uh, a singer, I guess, has uh, an essay in Vogue in which she says that she uh, almost died and the only thing that saved her life was an abortion because she had multiple miscarriages. And you see, you see the problem with that. The sentence doesn't even mean anything. I would have died from my miscarriage if I hadn't had an abortion. You ca- There's a little bit of confusion here because in the olden days, before abortion became a political movement, before killing babies intentionally became a political movement, the term for a miscarriage was spontaneous abortion. The, the, the pregnancy was aborted. Uh, but but the, those two things are very, very different. A miscarriage is when naturally the baby dies in his mother's womb. A procured abortion is when people go in and intentionally kill the baby. You cannot procure an abortion for a miscarriage. It's just, it's not it's not logically possible because a miscarriage, by definition, is a baby that has already died in the womb. And so you can't abort that baby. You can only abort a living baby. But they have to blur the lines here. So no, none of, none of the laws, none of these pro-life laws will prevent women from having a miscarriage or treating a miscarriage or anything like that. They will only prevent you from intentionally killing your baby, but they've got to blur the lines. This is why in the, in the Dobbs decision, in the liberal dissent, the liberal justices didn't talk very much about Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood v. Casey or abortion. They talked about gay marriage. They talked about contraception. They talked about homosexual sodomy in Lawrence v. Texas. They talked about all sorts of other almost entirely unrelated issues because they know that this issue here is so extremely off-putting. They know that when people see the reality of it, they hate it unless they're psychos. They knew that they had to talk about something else. The momentum is entirely with the conservatives right now. That isn't always the case. It's actually fairly rarely the case, but now we have the momentum. The libs are eating their own. They're all fighting with each other. They're on the streets of Portland screaming and yelling and trying to outwoke each other and cast each other into outer darkness. The conservatives are growing the tent. The conservatives are growing the coalition. Now is the time to press forward ahead. That's what's happening in Mississippi. The governor of Mississippi, Tate Reeves, who's doing an excellent, excellent job down there. Tate Reeves is building on the victory in Dobbs to outlaw abortion pills. Now, abortion is outlawed in Mississippi right now, so he's going to give it some teeth. Don't forget, just because there are laws on the books, that doesn't necessarily mean that the laws are going to be enforced. There are all sorts of laws against indecent exposure and obscenity and child endangerment and child abuse, and yet you're seeing plenty of videos of little kids being brought to strip club drag bars and putting dollars in the G-strings of perverts, and the laws aren't being enforced against them. So you've got to give these kinds of laws teeth. That's what uh, Governor Reeves is doing down there in, in Mississippi. He's saying, if you are a doctor and you prescribe abortion pills, you don't get to practice anymore. What does enforcement look like in your state? Can a woman from Mississippi simply travel to a different state and have a procedure, or would you try to stop her? 
Well, in, in our state, the enforcement is done by the State Board of Medical Licensure. We have a State Board of Medical Licensure, which uh, actually oversees the practice of medicine in our state. And they ensure that any physician that is practicing, whether it's through telemedicine or otherwise, that any physician that practices in our state is practicing not only based upon the standards of care uh, that we require in our state, but also based upon state law. And so if a physician is attempting to uh, practice medicine uh, in the state of Mississippi, Mississippi and they're violating our law, then our State Board of Medical Licensure will pull their license from them. Really important. It's important, one, so that you can enforce the pro-life laws, but two, it's important to, to remind conservatives that politics is not only downstream of culture. We, we've talked about this a lot. Breitbart's line is very good in as much as it means that movies matter and the culture matters and the way people live outside of the law and the formal political order and the government matter. But it's a slogan, and like all slogans, it's wrong, because politics affects culture as well. Politics is a, is a teacher. The law is a teacher. We know this from the Bible. We know this from political philosophy. We know this from practice. Laws help shape the culture too. If you outlaw abortion in Mississippi, but you don't have any consequences for doctors who continue to practice abortion, you're still going to get a lot of abortion. If, on the other hand, you say, hey, if you in any way participate in an abortion, you're going to lose your medical license. You're not going to be able to practice here. Maybe you can go to another state. I don't know. Maybe you can't. But all that schooling, all that money that you dumped into your career, the way that you put food on your table and pay your bills, yeah, that all goes away if you break this law then I think you're going to see something a little bit different. You, you saw this on the flip side during COVID, and it was very unfortunate during COVID. But during COVID, there were a lot of people who wanted to avoid some of the vaccine mandates because they suspected correctly that the COVID shots were not going to do exactly what Biden and Walensky and Fauci told us they were going to do, prevent transmission, prevent uh, infection. They were a little skeptical that the uh, COVID shots were 100% totally safe and effective, no side effects, no risk whatsoever. They were skeptical. They wanted to get around it. And they would go to doctors and they'd find sympathetic doctors. And they'd go to the doctor and say, hey, doc, I just need a card. Shoot the shot down the sink, whatever, just whatever you got to do. I don't want to get this shot, but I, I have to keep my job. And the, even the doctors who say, I, I spoke to doctors. I spoke to pharmacists and doctors who said, I don't think you should take this shot. I don't think... Not, not only young people, I don't think most people should take this shot. It's really, uh, it hasn't been tested. There are no long-term data here. The risk from COVID is not particularly great for most people. I really don't think you should do it. And then you say, okay, good, give me a fake card. And they'd say, no, can't do it. I could lose my license. I could lose my license and I can't take that risk. The law is a teacher. Sometimes it can be a teacher for bad ends, like you saw during COVID. In this case, it can be a teacher for very good ends. Regardless, the culture can, in fact, be downstream of politics. So great job to Governor Reeves. Some conservatives pushing ahead. Some conservatives totally squishing. If you look across the pond at our limey cousins over there in the United Kingdom, Boris Johnson is making the argument now that the cause of the Russian invasion of Ukraine is toxic masculinity. Need more women in positions of power. If Putin was a woman, which I, he obviously isn't, but uh, if he were, I really don't think he would have embarked on a crazy, macho 
war of, of invasion uh, and violence in the way that he has. If you want a perfect example of toxic masculinity, it's, it, it's what he's doing in, in Ukraine. Toxic. It's toxic masculinity. I'm Boris Johnson, the conservative. <laughs> it's, I don't even mean to beat up that much on Boris Johnson. He has been something of a disappointment as a conservative PM. I think the right-wingers were hoping for a lot more from Boris, and he's kind of squished on some pretty big issues. He's even using the language of the left. I, I mention it not to knock on Johnson so much as to point out that liberalism is hegemonic. Liberalism is the air that we breathe. Liberalism is the, the environment that we all move in. And even we conservatives, even the rock-ribbed people, we will use the language of liberalism. That's how powerful it is. That's how thorough the revolution has been. I wrote my book last year, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which became number one national bestseller thanks to you. Hey, we still have the bell. That's great. Uh, I wrote the book on this topic. It's so much worse than just the left uses their crazy language and then we don't. No, we use it too. They've, they've, the left has managed to, in, in many ways, win the big political debates before they even have the debate because they infect our minds with their language. And language is what constitutes our consciousness in many ways. And so we just see the world through their lenses. Boris Johnson, the conservative, is seeing the world through a leftist lens of toxic masculinity. And if only the world were run by women, then we'd have peace and harmony. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know. What about that lady on the street in Portland? I'm not sure she would give us peace and harmony. I don't think the man necessarily would either. That, that is the kind of revolution we are up against. And you are seeing, like revolutions that are totalizing, you are seeing the real, the real overstepping, the devouring of their own children happening right now. This is an opportunity. You've got to take this opportunity. You've got politics, like comedy, is about timing. Okay, you've got to know your timing. We're at a, at a, a real moment of opportunity right now. We have to take it. Speaking of killers, we're talking about Vladimir Putin. Speaking of killers closer to home, the Highland Park killer, we're now learning uh, a little bit more about him. Uh, we, don't, we don't say his name. We don't say the names of these mass killers on the network because we don't want to give them notoriety. People are all quibbling over, is he a right winger or a left winger? I've gone down the rabbit hole looking at arguments for both. It seems to me he probably wasn't particularly partisan or political at all. He showed up to Trump rallies, but some people said it was ironic. And then he posted lots of anti-conservative things on social media, but then he also wore the Pepe the Frog symbol and he didn't. And it just, for the vast majority of killers in history, they don't have a, of, at least of these kind of mass serial killer, you know, mass shooting types in America, they don't have a strong political agenda. They're just wacko. Sometimes people can just be wackos, okay? Sometimes people can just be lunatics. And I think that's the case here. With, with this kid. He doesn't, he certainly doesn't look like a conservative. He looks much more like a leftist, but he doesn't even have, seem to have that much strong of a leftist political argument. Well, now what we know about him is in 2019, the police were tr told that this shooter had vowed to kill everyone. He had tried to kill himself. Then he said he was going to kill everyone. The cops took a bunch of weapons away from him, but but didn't arrest him and didn't really do very much. And everyone knew this kid was a ticking time bomb. And he just looked like a nut. And he was posting all sorts of crazy, scary stuff on social media. And nobody did anything about it. 
there's going to be a lot of finger pointing everywhere, and it should have been the parents, and it should have been the cops, it should have been the school, and it should have been this, and it should have been that. I do think there is something we could do that would reduce the likelihood of these wackos with lots and lots of warning signs popping off and killing people. And I think the thing we need to do is re-stigmatize craziness. We all talk these days about how we need to reduce stigmas, especially around mental health. We need to reduce the stigma around mental health, and we need to take away shame and feelings of guilt. We just need to normalize everything, okay? And every and if you have some bizarre fantasies or delusions, or you just we need to we need to make it all seem normal. No, we don't. We really shouldn't. We the only way in which we should destigmatize mental health problems is such that people go seek treatment. Otherwise, we need to re-stigmatize it. It is, it is not good to be crazy. Craziness these days confers a kind of social currency. If you can claim to have some sort of mental illness, you can claim a, a sort of privilege in the intersectional hierarchy of society. And this is especially true when it comes to sexual dysphoria. This is especially true if you say, look, I'm a, I'm a man, but I think that I'm a woman. That gives you a great deal of privilege in our society. It shouldn't. If you're a man and you think that you're a woman and it's not, you're not just taking part in a social mania, but you actually have some psychological condition, you should go seek help for that. And the doctor should not affirm you in your delusion. The doctor should tell you about reality and convince you, actually, no, you're, you're a man. You're not really a woman. You're a man. And if you have such psychiatric problems that you are a danger to yourself or to society, you should be locked up. We closed the mental asylums in the United States. We wanted to destigmatize mental health problems. That hasn't turned out very well. Just look around the streets of San Francisco or New York or DC. I'm not just talking about the drug addicts and the criminals. I'm talking about the crazy people. There are lots of crazy people living on the streets. And we all pretend that it's really compassionate to let crazy people live in squalor and filth and danger on the streets and then die of exposure during the winter. It's not compassionate at all. We need to make it much, much more stigmatized to be crazy so that people can go seek treatment and live better lives. Part of the reason for this, part of the reason we closed down the asylums, and part of the reason that people tolerate this kind of stuff today, letting the crazy people continue to be a danger to themselves and to society, is because of a peculiar ideology that affects both the left and the right, which is the ideology of individualism. We don't want to tell anybody what to do. Well, who am I to say? Who am I even to say that you're crazy? Maybe the man who thinks that he's a woman, maybe he's the sane one. Maybe I'm the crazy one for thinking that I'm a man. Maybe the person who hears voices in his head, maybe he's the sane one. I don't know. Who's to say? How do I, I don't want to impose my views of uh, culture or politics or religion or, or psychology or human nature onto anybody else. But, but of course we have to. That's what society is. Society is coming together and agreeing on some basic things and living together. That, that's what laws are. The law, and the law is a teacher. And the law will, will not just uh, be a product of how people are living, but the law will shape how people live as well. This, we've known this going all the way back to those old ancient Greeks, okay? And, and we need to do that here as well. Because at, at, if we continue to let people languish and, and k k spiral and go into their own craziness and their own delusions, that will cause a great deal of harm for them and for everybody else. You want to talk about craziness? I have to get to this story. Jordan Peterson, my new colleague, Jordan Peterson, and Dave Rubin, 
have been booted off of Twitter for saying that a, a woman is a woman. Jordan set this all off. He tweeted out, remember when pride was a sin and Ellen Page just had her breasts removed by a criminal physician? So he tweeted that and he got booted because he said Ellen Page. And even though that's the actress's name, you're not allowed to say her name anymore because she says that she's Elliot now. And she says that she's not a she and she's a he. But of course, she is actually a she and, and she's not Elliot either. Some conservatives try to split the baby on this issue and they say, look, I won't use the crazy pronouns but I will call her by whatever name she wants because you can legally change your name and so I'll call you whatever you want. No, I don't think so. I think that's a little too clever by half. Elliot is a boy name. Ellen is a girl name. Ellen is a girl and Ellen is Ellen. So that's the point that Jordan made and Jordan got booted from Twitter for it for dead naming, meaning calling her by her correct name and using the right pronouns. Then Dave just tweeted out a picture of it. He said, the insanity continues at Twitter. Uh, Jordan was just suspended for this tweet about Ellen Page. And then then Dave was kicked off Twitter (laughs) for posting the tweet by Jordan. This rule on Twitter is effectively a banning of, of disagreement with transgenderism. If you are not allowed to call the girl by the girl's name, if you are forced to call the girl by the boy's name, and if you are not allowed to call the girl she or her, girl pronouns, and you have to call the girl he or him, boy pronouns, then Twitter has effectively banned opposition to transgenderism. And Twitter is a major part of our public square. So Twitter acting as a sort of enforcement arm of the liberal government has said you are not allowed to disagree with transgenderism in public. It is not enough just to lift these bans. It is not enough if we ever get power again in these institutions, if Elon buys Twitter or something. It is not enough just to lift the bans. We have to punish the people who do this. They are, they are perverting our political order. They are acting in a way that is extremely unjust and harmful to the country, very destructive. We need to punish the censors for doing this sort, sort of thing. We need to fire them. Ideally, we would ostracize them. <laughs> okay, we need to, we need to stop this. It's very, very destructive. The people are on our side on this issue. Bette Midler is on our side on this issue. Macy Gray is on our side on this issue. Not exactly rock-ribbed conservatives. We have the wind at our sails. Stand up, say the truth, stop squishing, push forward ahead. Timing is almost everything here. And we've got a, we've got a narrow window where we can get some serious victories. Push ahead. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, while Democrats push gun control and red flag laws, we find out all about the red flag surrounding the latest mass shooter. Joe Biden's approval rating continues to tank. And Dave Rubin is suspended from Twitter for noticing that Jordan Peterson was suspended from Twitter. So it's Twitter ban infinite regress time. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen.